Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. This is TJ Carter from The Average Joe Geek Show, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. I am Ryan, coming to you again through Zoom, and I'm with Zach, Corinne, and Brad. And Yep, that's right. Every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. Uh, this week, because we have an Alamo in our neck of the woods, we were treated to a fantastic fest film called The Wolf of Snow Mountain. Um, Hello. Snow Hollow, sorry, thank you. Um, sorry, I'm like reading stuff and I'm trying to... Uh, so, we, watched, we watched Never Cry Wolf with yeah, uh, uh, Ryan Frost. The Wolf Frost. of Snow Hollow. Can I get your um, full attention to this podcast, please? Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that movie at the end of our podcast. We'll tell you if you should see it or not. Um, we'll play the trailer, then we'll spoil the movie. And there are spoilers in this movie. So uh, if you want to see this movie, make sure you listen to our podcast or review of it till after you see the film but we'll talk about movies that are coming out on blu-ray movie news and films we've been watching and i think we can still go around town with brad right now is that correct brad you betcha all right we'll start it like we do every week hey film buddies follow me around denver Well, the 88 drive-in is still open, and I think they're going to go through Halloween. Um, and currently their lineup is Monster House, Zombieland, Double Tap, and Resident Evil Retribution. The uh, Fort Collins uh, Holiday Twin Drive-In is doing kind of like a brewing Falltoberfest. So they, uh, they have a double feature of Tommy Boy and The War with Grandpa on October 16th. And then screen one and two generally has the war with grandpa and goosebumps and hocus pocus and then Beetlejuice on the other. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, the Denver film festival is going on soon. uh, Despite the C film center being shut down. So they're going to do the festival at the drive-in and I would look it up, but tickets are like 85 bucks for screening. So um, you just go to the denverfilm.org if you want to investigate further because I'm probably not going to be able to go. Gotcha. <laughs> At like 85 bucks. It's like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be nice though to watch uh, indie films on a big screen at the Red Rocks, but yeah. That's what's going on around town. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Zach, what's coming out on Blu rays? 
DVD releases and Blu-rays. All right, guys. Well, uh, this is the big week for other people who didn't pre-order the Friday the 13th box set because you can start picking that up this week from other outlets. Um, I've got mine coming on Thursday. Or you can get totally hosed by the United States Postal Service. And they said it was in route on the uh, 2nd and or the 5th, whenever Brad's was coming to. And then um, the next day it said, mm, we don't know when it's going to show up. It's in transit. And that's, that's ridiculous. But and then I got there, an email. But... Sorry. Got an email today say... that it arrived. But haha, jokes on me. Post office is closed for Columbus Day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But. Regardless, you can pick it up and you'll be able to have a blast watching all the Friday the 13th movies. So far as I know, I haven't heard of any issues where replacement discs are needed, but we'll see what happens. Oh, I did. Um, yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Really? People are already Ooh. posting about like missing scenes in, in the films. And, uh, Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, boy. So I'm only on disc, uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. So. Yeah, I'd have to... Uh... I think this is going to test my Friday the 13th knowledge because um, I think I've seen them enough where I'd recognize if scenes are missing and I don't know if it affects all the discs because there hasn't been an actual official announcement from Scream Factory yet. So I don't know. I'll have to test my Friday the 13th knowledge on theatrical and uncut versions of the films. (laughs) I I noticed. But it is baffling well, that um, if there is like that many errors as people are claiming that they, you know, this really was such a rush job. It's kind of sad. Well, I, it, it would, it, if anything, it seems like they might have been kind of like something might have been halted due to COVID and something in reorganizing, reorganizing everything. But I don't um, know. We'll see. I don't know. Cause I think they've been working on it a long time. I heard it's been over a year. Um, the uh, guy who did some of the special features, I started following him on Facebook, and um, they've been working on it quite a while. My yeah. guess is is the authoring of the discs maybe had an issue at some mm-hmm. point, which is which has happened before because Halloween Halloween Four had to be replaced in the Halloween box. Set, yeah, and so. so did my Army of Darkness. Yeah, which if so. you're in quality control there, like you should do a better job of watching the films. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll... Because uh, they're going to anyway. you master discs before they say, yeah, go ahead and print this. It's going to cost them a lot of money if it's, you know, four or five discs. Yeah. Human, told, error, human error, always account for it. Yeah, I'll get I told Brad is, uh, even if mm-hmm. I'm going to check mine, and if they offer replacement discs, I'll probably just get them anyways, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, there's a master yeah. ISO file that they're making all this off of, like, if there's an error, I've got it. Like it's not like they right. printed out a second batch, yeah. Already, so yeah, be interesting. I don't know. Like I said, um, I'll pick up mine up tomorrow, and I'll see if I can spot anything. Sweet. Well, in the meantime, you could probably also pick up a steelbook of Motel Hell from Scream Factory if you so, if you so wish. Uh, the steelbook looks pretty cool. Uh, it's a movie that I need to revisit because I wasn't too keen on it when I first saw it, but uh, it's a pretty silly movie. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And maybe that's why I was a little underwhelmed when I saw it. Um, but um, moving along from Scream to Arrow, you can get Mallrats on Arrow, um, the Kevin Smith sophomore outing. Um, and the uh, artwork looks pretty cool. Sweet. Nice. 
uh, and then on 4K, you can finally pick up Requiem for a Dream and District 9. So there's your chance to get those two classics on uh, 4K. Um, Deep Star 6 is coming out from Kino Lorber. Um, <laughs> I have not seen this movie, Brian. Have you? Uh, I know it's Sean Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Um, it's a lot like a mix between The Abyss and Leviathan. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I think I pre-ordered it, but I don't have it being shipped, so I don't know if I did. Um, it's getting good reviews. It got a good review on UltraHighDef.com. Sweet. As far as like it, the disc, you know. Yeah, it's a movie that I always hear about, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch this sometime, and then I haven't. I haven't really caught much of Cunningham's directing work outside of the one Friday the 13th. Right? So. Yeah. I think House House is the one that I've seen. I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, well, will I be okay if I forego Netflix and in, instead pick up a steelbook of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie? Because uh, that sounds like a, a great way to cap off your Breaking Bad collection right there. I don't know, Brad, uh, is it worth owning on Blu-ray? I'm going to get it. That show's awesome. Yeah. And the movie's a great like deluxe episode yep hmm. and then you can also brad while you're getting that you can also get batman death in the family uh coming to you from on blu-ray and digital you don't tell me uh, what to do no you sure. know what fine don't be a batman fan that you're one sounds interesting because it's uh an interactive blu-ray hmm. oh, so you, oh my God, you... you get to yeah i've been reading reviews on it and i actually <laughs> read an article where it says you should buy it uh the physical copy because the digital versions don't have the interact interactive story with it. So, so I get to decide if Jason Todd dies or not again. You do. And then how you, when you decide, um, I only briefly skimmed the reviews cause I didn't want it to be spoiled. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get it, but um, I guess there's four different paths you can choose. And then each path has a couple other branches you can go through. Um, I guess so the it's whole, like Bandersnatch. Yeah, um, I guess the whole you can have it play like it's a normal movie, and I guess each version of it's forty minutes long. Um, but you can make the choices too. But on the digital side, um, they only put it like the four versions you can watch, so you can you don't get to really choose how it plays out. Still, but for this one, huh? That's a shame. Well, and, and then anyway, uh, moving on, uh, Screen Factory, we'll go back to them for a second. They're putting out Terror in the Isles from 1984, a compilation film featuring Donald Pleasance. So I will definitely be picking that up. Um, and then we'll move on over to Warner Archive. They are putting out Sergeant York from 1941, uh, co-written by John Huston. Um, I might talk a lot about him in the coming year. Uh, and then they're also putting out Space Ghost and Dino Boy, um, uh, the complete series on Blu-ray. Uh, I have never seen Space Ghost in anything other than Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So <laughs> It's very um, different. I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm very sure it is. Um, and then uh, Criterion's putting out a movie called Claudine from 1974. So if you want to check that out, you're more than welcome to. Uh, and then Ar- Warner Archive is also putting out Reversal of Fortune, uh, which is a wonderful film. If you've not seen Reversal of Fortune, check it out. Um, and oh oh ryan this is fun uh sony pictures blu-ray is putting out dominion prequel to the exorcist the paul schrader uh uh version of what ended up becoming exorcist the beginning (laughs) 
that should be a that should be a fun time. I like Dominion. I don't like Exorcist the Beginning, even though Exorcist the Beginning is technically a lot of fun. Dominion's the better movie. It's it's weird. Anyway, that's Blu-rays. Cool. Uh, another big announcement. It's not for this week, but in general, the Lord of the Rings 4Ks are on their way in December. Yep, that is a 4K that's coming. Ryan, you know what else is coming out on 4K from Screen Factory? I wasn't even done. No, no, it doesn't matter because Prince of Darkness is coming to UHD, and that seems like an irresponsible decision, and I'm happy they're making it. You know what's a really responsible decision is that in the process of announcing the Lord of the Rings discs, Warner Brothers admitted that there's an even better version coming out in 2021. So I mean, even wait, how could there be an even better one, Brad? The ones that are coming out in December are just the movies, and the mm. ultimate collection is both The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and all the extended edition uh, special features and new gotcha. features in one ultimate Middle Earth set. So you, what you're saying is, I need to wait. And the steel books are pretty cool for the, this extended and theatrical movie only versions. Yeah, but and I, and I actually, I mean, I've got all the appendices on Blu-ray anyway, so it's not like I'm, you know, going to hurt like hurt for them, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've got the DVD versions of the uh, bonus features that might be just okay for me. Although it's 120 bucks just for the steel books, so mm. like just for three of them. Right, but. Yeah, I mean, I saw the little announcement video that Sean Astin did, and it was cute. Um, you could see him turning off his video recording. <laughs> Man, there's no um, 4K edition of Batman: Death in the Family. No, not that it really because they needs knew it, that, but... because because you had to get snarky during the segment and say, "Don't tell me what to do," and they just think you don't want it now. That's why they took it off the listing. So lame. <laughs> And anyway, did I miss any other Blu-ray news, Blu-ray announcements? I don't think so. I mean, so. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie, Ryan. Be- Prince of Darkness being in UHD seems so strange. Like, yeah, I did yeah. not think that that would be a big title to do. Well, I think it's because John Carpenter works with him and are willing to, um, and he's willing to let him use his stuff to make it 4K. So it's probably yeah. easier for them to do that. That's true. And I, I would hope that it means we're getting versions of the thing and then also in the mouth of madness. And then I can have the apocalypse trilogy in 4k. So yes, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. If, if they do in the mouth of madness in UHD, then this will truly not be reality. No, it'll, it'll be HD reality 4k <laughs> UHD. Yeah. That I, joke didn't work. I mean, I mean, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to say that that, isn't a very popular movie, but I remember Prince of Darkness being very popular. So who knows? No, I mean, well, I think Prince of Darkness and Madness are ones that folks like you and I find when we go through our Carpenter filmographies and go, oh, wow. And then it ends up being way better than everything leads you to believe. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I love Prince of Darkness. It's a lot of like, like weird science mixed with freaking, uh, freaking religion. It's, it's all over the map and I love it. (laughs) We yeah, might talk is, about it again. It is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Mm, cool. Movie news. It's real news. I 
feel like it's nothing but bad news. Um, D- Disney has announced a major reorganization and the primary focus will be on streaming. Um, and it seems like they're going to pull away from focusing on theatrical. They didn't say they're getting rid of theatrical. Um, this coincides with the news that Soul, the new Pixar movie, uh, will be released on Christmas Day on Disney Plus to all subscribers and then in theaters for territories without Netflix. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Territories are without Netflix. Um, the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a theater uh, on the moon. <laughs> I, I have heard that um, Soul is an amazing film. It got reviewed at I, the um, British International Film Festival, I think, yesterday. So. Yeah, and it's I, it's a movie I want to see. So that's a shame that we can't see it in the theater. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to start using Disney Plus eventually. So, you know, it'll, it'll be there when I'm ready. So. I was just reading an article about this on Business Insider, and they were... I don't know, at least conjecturing that Mulan's uh, like VOD type of sale didn't do as well as Disney had expected. So it's kind of weird that they're releasing Soul straight to just just Disney Plus, like not even with like some kind of premium buy-in or something. Well, I mean, because they do. Spending I mean, I just don't, I don't know how they're going to recoup their money on that. They won't. And that their whole their whole goal is that they hope they get more subscribers through it because I think they realize that charging $30 for the streaming service that you already have um, might not be the best way to go, uh, especially when you announced that it was going to be available in three months anyways. So, I, I mean, I so, don't know. I, mean, I don't know who hasn't subscribed to Disney Plus already that is going to be like, oh, well, I want to see that Soul movie, so I'm going to subscribe. Well, I think, I think most people have already subscribed to Disney Plus. I don't think this is going to sway anybody. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it would sway anybody either. But Disney is also Disney Plus will also have other stuff coming where people might just finally say they'll get on the bandwagon. So, I mean, um, maybe it'll keep people on Disney Plus. Like, The Mandalorian starts October thirtieth, so it should be done around Christmas time if they're doing an eight. See an eight episode season like they did last year, so right. <laughs> maybe that will encourage people to like, hey, instead of canceling your subscription now that the Mandalorian's over, why don't you stick around and watch Soul? I think yeah, movies are, are are harder sell anyways on streaming platforms because once you watch it once, I mean, there, there's going to be an influx on the first day or two to watch the film, but after that, it's got to be really. Uh, like game changing for people to constantly want to go back and visit it. Um, so I think that's why and, streaming services like Netflix are really popular is because they constantly have shows and there's constantly new shows. Um, and that's what keeps people watching Netflix. I think that there's is ever true. Been a, and Ryan. I don't, think ahead, ever been, I don't think there's ever been a movie on streaming that I've watched that I've been like, I got to watch that again. Like, over and over the, the same way that like when I see a movie in a theater and I, you know, when I get out, I'm like, I got to see that again. Yeah. I'll I mean, come back tomorrow or like six hours later, like for star Wars or something. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I did I it. With the, I, 
Well, that's, I think Sorry. because the type of movies that are on streaming are not those big event type movies. They're just, you know, low budget kind of indie, you know, they're starting to kind of get into like the action and adventure genre with like the old guard and extraction. But I mean, it seems like they're typically more just like rom-coms and indie dramas and things like that. Yeah. Or they're giving buttloads of money to, to filmmakers who would, would otherwise make art house blockbusters and such like Scorsese or even Quran. Um, but also like they have a big market with things like, like this is, I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard it's really good. Hubie Halloween. Like that's apparently like get, it's getting solid response from them. And Adam Sandler's done really well for them over the past couple of years. So um, they must get rewatches out of his movies. Like, cause I wouldn't see any other reason why you would continue the contract you have with him unless that was the case. I always laugh too, because they say that it counts as a watch on streaming. If you watch it for three minutes, so you make it through the title and then you're they Oh, that counts as someone watched it. I, I mean, obviously they do something right because I don't know how many hundreds of millions of subscribers there are to Netflix, but you know, they also operate with a huge debt. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're an interesting company. They're a very interesting company. Um, I just generally I mean, think this this idea that Disney is going to release Soul on Disney Plus with no kind of premium buy-in. I mean that that movie is probably what a hundred million dollars to make. Oh, it's probably two hundred. I'm just lowballing because I don't know. I mean, animated movies are probably not as expensive, but it is Pixar. But well, I mean, I mean, uh, how are you going to recoup $200 million just from Disney Plus subscription? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Toy Story 3 was 195 I mean, 4 was $195 million. So, Jeez. yeah. Uh, and, and too, I think they're at a point, too, where they're starting to run out of calendar space for movies because they keep on postponing films. So I think some might start popping up on streaming services because they're just going to start getting a log jam of films that are being filmed and then need to be released and then they can't be released. And also, I mean, I guess the idea is like they want to put it out around Christmas time because they want to use it for like merchandising, like maybe the put out toys about the movie and stuff. But just from what I've seen of the trailer, it doesn't really seem to lend itself very well to toys because they're just kind of like little blobs of like fluff with eyeballs I don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, really I've always weird. said too. I don't think Pixar makes the best trailers. I think they make some of the greatest animated films, and I think that's on purpose. I think they make the trailers just enough so you're aware that it's a Pixar movie, and um, then you always get kind of a sucker punch at during the films, whether it's Wall-E or Up, or even right. You know, I'm saying like just the design of the characters does not. Oh yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm just well to merchandising. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I haven't. Because it's like cars, you know, they're cars. That's going to be easy. Toy Story, that's going to be easy. I mean, up, I guess you got like the dog or something. I don't know. I love the old man as an action figure. Also, (laughs) can I have all the feelings from Inside Out as like toys that I can play with in my sad, lonely isolation? What else is happening, Zach? Uh, Well, uh, you guys seem to have already talked about this on Facebook, but I'll bring it up for the listening audience. Uh, it looks like you can tour uh, Camp Crystal Lake uh, itself. You can go to the actual Boy Scout camp where it, they shot the film in Hardwick, New Jersey, 
um, these tours will be available for this coming season. So yeah, it, this this sounds like fun. Does anybody want to take a road trip to New Jersey? <laughs> I mean, I totally would, no. but I got an I got an email from my kid's school where it says if he leaves the state, he has to quarantine for two weeks. So, really? Yeah. So I'm not wow. going to go anywhere for a little bit. Yeah. Boo. That sucks. But Ryan, if I recall correctly, maybe we're making the right choice because I've heard that it's got a death curse. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And I heard people are doomed when they're there. <laughs> I've also heard that the character actor who played Crazy Ralph didn't actually die. He's just hanging out there in Hardwick, New Jersey. <laughs> Which I've heard is like being dead. Um, that, apologies to Hardwick, New Jersey. Anyway, moving on. We got a clip for the new Animaniacs reboot um, that's coming to Hulu. Did, anybody, did everybody watch it? It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. That was just adorable. Spielberg playing Attenborough. It's come full circle, guys. Like the madness is full circle. Um, and just hearing them say, "We're the Warner." It's the Warner Brothers and the Warner sister. Like I, oh, I just had a lot of fun with it. Oh, uh, the best and part back- is uh, the best part is when um, Spielberg says, "We have uh, Pinky and the Brain," and <laughs> Doctor Grant says, "What did you say? We have Pinky and the Brain." In the brain. <laughs> It's a great little, if, as yeah, if you love Jurassic was, Park and stuff, it's great. I was thrown off at first because I was like, is it him? I was like, no, it's not. But that's a decent imitation of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, oh, I love the, uh, when he turns Ellie Sadler's head and then her jaw drops, he just lifts it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then the last piece of news that I thought was interesting, um, Gal Gadot, is Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman. And now at Paramount Pictures, they are going to be doing Cleopatra. Um, and, uh, and this is, I have no um, uh, doubt that they'll make a fine movie. I'm worried about any Cleopatra movie being made because the last time a Cleopatra movie was made, 20th Century Fox Studios nearly ran itself into the ground. Um, so let's be careful when we make a Cleopatra movie. So let's just not, let's, let's not overdo it guys. But well, that 20th being century said, Fox is gone. So they're already yeah. in the ground. It, yeah. it is true. It, it, them saving themselves with star Wars didn't matter in the end, did it? Shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this, uh, it looks interesting. I'd like to see Patty Jenkins get to take on a movie like Cleopatra. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, they're already in trouble anyway. Yeah. You haven't, and if you've read oh, that, they're already in trouble. Cause I'm the only one who's going to go see it. <laughs> No, uh, people are upset that uh, they didn't get like, you know, Cleopatra wasn't a white woman. So, yeah. Um, but isn't Gal Gadot, isn't she from She's Israel? Middle Eastern, but yeah, she's not quite as brown skin as some people would like. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's something I didn't even consider. That's, uh, that's an interesting point. Anyway, I guess we'll find out. Or one that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, that could be too, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I didn't like the idea of Shia LaBeouf doing brown face for Tax Collector. That's why I won't see that movie. But For what? Anyway. Oh, yeah. You didn't hear about the Tax Collector? No, I don't. Sh- I mean, I've, I've, I've seen the like the cover art for it, but I have no desire to see it. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf's in brown face in the movie is what I heard. So that's mm-hmm. uh, one Maybe of the reasons I'm like, okay. Tainan. I don't know. You never know. You got a sweet tan from uh, the Peter Bird Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, see, Ryan, for me to find out, it requires me to watch it, and I have no interest, so I'm not going to. <laughs> um, or maybe I will someday. I try to give everything a shot. But anyway, anyway, that is news. Cool. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what did you watch this week? Oh, quite a bit, actually. Um, well, I went to the drive-in last night, and I rewatched Zombieland Double Tap and Resident Evil Retribution. And Double Tap was more fun than the first time I saw it, what, a year ago in theaters? Yeah, yeah that's about right. And then uh, Retribution, I haven't seen since... I, I didn't remember seeing it in 2012, but apparently I gave it one star on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about fair. That's that's still accurate for me. For some reason, I always get the last two mixed up. So that's the one where they're in Antarctica, right? So, no joke, I probably spent more time, like, going on IMDb and figuring out the order of the movies while I was watching Retribution <laughs> at the drive-in on my phone than actually watching the movie. But that's the second to last one, yes. Yeah, that's. I think I actually think that's the worst Resident Evil movie. Because it's um, just... Uh, it's just I mean, set piece after set piece right yeah and like on the one hand it, it is very much like a video game where it is you know they go like the next level and there's like another level um as they climb their way out of uh the um, underground umbrella fortress that's buried under russia or whatever um but yeah they're all like they're all like holodecks basically from star trek um and they just fight their way to the top and then yeah, um, there's a there's a couple effective scenes. I like the scene when she's in the suburbs. I think when the zombies attack is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, like that had me guessing because I was like, is this a flashback? What's going on here? And then it just turns out it's just a simulation for the clones. Yeah, I mean, that was fun. But yeah, I, when they start getting to Antarctica, wherever it is, it, it really goes off the rails. Yeah. Um, and then what's like, uh, uh, what's her name? From uh, Fast and the Fur- no, from Fast and the Furious, Letty. Oh, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Like, there's a good clone version of her, and then a bad clone version of her. That gets like injected with a creature that gives her like super strength and everything. And then, um, yeah. It, like at one point, I didn't even know there was a bad clone. And then I looked up from you know doing my research on what order these movies go in. <laughs> and then uh, it's like, oh, she's not dead, and she's a. Superhuman, got it. I don't know. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then like uh, Jill Valentine is has like a implant that makes her evil. I just, I was like, where? I don't remember anything about the lineage <laughs> of these movies. Like, what connects to what, and how we got here. Well, you know, it was like four or five months ago. I watched them all back to back to back to back to back to back to back, and like they're really fun, but. Retribution, man, is just, it's hard. It's because it just, it doesn't make any sense. There's some cool shots. Like I, I, I like the end where uh, Michelle Rodriguez is pulled down by the zombies underneath the ice. It looks cool, but it doesn't make any sense. Um, and, you know, then after this, they did the final chapter, which is, it's okay, but that one, it, it cuts so fast. It's edited so quickly that it's really jarring. I thought this was the last one. And then I did my research. And I was like, there's, there was one as recently as 2016, and mm-hmm. that was last last chapter. And I, I can't remember what happened to that one, but I remember 
like as I was watching this being like, which is the one where they end at like the top of the White House and you're like, oh, cool. Like what's going to happen next? And that's this one. <laughs> yep. I thought it was the one before it. Yep. And then, yeah. then the final chapter picks up in Washington, D.C., but not during that battle. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, I think this one in Afterlife, which came before this, were like designed for 3D. So there's just a, like a lot of set pieces are just set pieces so yeah. you can do 3d stuff yeah and the opening of this is like a reversal of everything that's happening on this submarine or aircraft carrier and then like that whole credit sequence is everything in reverse and you're like oh that's cool so we're gonna start the movie in the past and then it just like in real time like plays it forward and yeah you- it's like they needed to pad 10 minutes in the movie or something i don't know yeah it's like really do we need to watch that part again like and then she gets trapped in the, so I guess Umbrella digs her body out of the ocean after the aircraft carrier blows up and they trap her in, you know, some like sterile holding cell. Yeah. And I think it's like 10, 15 minutes of her just kind of wondering where she is and uh, being screamed at by the alarm uh, while wearing like a paper cloth for, it's like, is this, how long is this going to go on? And then it goes to like, I think the uh, simulation part. Yeah, it's yeah. just such a padded movie because the yeah. plot's so thin. Would you say uh, which one is more convoluted, this or the blacklist? Still the blacklist. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Resident Evil at least has like a conclusion at the end of each movie. Mostly, uh, blacklist just keeps going and inventing new threads and doesn't wrap up old ones. Is Retribution the last one? Second to last. Okay, second to last. Okay, so then that means it's one I own. Okay. Because Brian gave me... The one with the lame, boring subtitle, the last chapter is the last one. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so then I have all of them but the last chapter then, because Ryan gave me all of his when he bought the Steelbooks, question mark. (laughs) You remember? Yeah, it goes Resident Evil, Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife, Retribution, and last chapter. All right. I've seen the first one, but I need to still watch the rest of them. Maybe that'll be part of the Halloween-a-thon. Yeah, I might do a rewatch just to get like the whole story straight again because, yeah, it's confusing. The power went back on. The power went back on! Do, do you need time? Uh, no, I'm go- yeah, I'm going to leave for a minute. Just keep going. Yeah, and then uh, Zombie Lab- Zombieland Double Tap was a lot of fun uh, second time around. I didn't enjoy it a lot the first time. Uh, what else? Uh... I rewatched uh, Friday the 13th because I have that box set. And <laughs> I watched it three times because just to annoy just you. Just because. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the only thing I have to say, like, there's these bonus features of, like, uh, what are they called? Like, notes from the Friday the 13th. Oh, what is it? They're basically like little fan films. Oh yeah, those are on the uh, those are on the original the DVD re-releases. They're not good. Yeah, the the one I guess there's one for each movie, but the first one was just this guy and this girl wake up in their bedroom, and Jason is outside the bedroom stalking around the perimeter of the house, and they step out of the hallway and then walk into another room, and then Jason kills both of them. That's the story. Yep. <laughs> it's like yeah no they're not good um and they're clearly on a soundstage 
Yeah. Do you remember the, it's the DVD box that it's like uh, from Crystal Lake to Manhattan. I think I had um, that one. And that's the one I had Kane Hodder sign. Uh, but yeah, that's where they came on. I think it's like uh slash tells from camp crystal lake or something like that yeah i mean they're just included in that because they decided to put every single special feature from them on there which is cool but they're not good i wouldn't have done that like (laughs) i mean they have so on the first disc there's the uncut version and the theatrical version Mm -hmm. and the theatrical version the uncut version has all the cool stuff like the old interview like you're saying with like um shawness cunningham and whatnot and then yeah. things and stuff with Harry Manfredini, and then that, and then the theatrical version just has like the trailer and some galleries and stills and uh, some other stuff. And it's like, why couldn't you put those things on the uncut version instead? You took up space with this, mm-hmm. so I have to go like to to watch this. The features are split, so I got to go to different discs to watch different things. Because yeah. that's taking up space. I was like, uh, okay. Maybe you should have had like a disc that's like legacy features or something. Yeah. Because um, even like I was, because I, I, I haven't seen them since the DVD, right? So I missed the whole Blu-ray iteration. And so the whole Cunningham interview and whatnot, um, you know, I thought when I first started watching it was the modern stuff. Mm. And I've started watching his interviews on the actual new Shout Factory disc and like, Oh yeah, like he's obviously ten years older, <laughs> or twenty years, I guess, fifteen. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I'm like, oh okay, yeah, uh, like he's drastic, looks drastically different from that interview. So, um, yeah, uh, so I have, I have a long way to go because of that set. Yeah, uh, I think I like so- screen, screen. I think Screen Factory labels their which what's new and what's not only on the covers. They don't do it on the disc itself. Yeah. Um, then, uh, I also, um, on the prime, I watched, uh, weekend at Bernie's, yeah. which I've been dying to like get on prime, like watch for free uh, for a while. And, uh, yeah, yeah. he said dying to watch it. I wasn't even trying for that, but thank you. <laughs> also, you're really quiet. You need a boost. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do on that front. Sorry. I think I'm getting feedback i can hear myself myself hello yeah you're still hello? there she okay. just yeah something with her thing you were like repeating or something yeah um yeah that movie's not as fun as i remembered <laughs> like it takes a long time to uh get to the actual premise of the movie i think it i've been 30 35 minutes before the two guys get to the island um and bernie gets uh killed by the assassins um like the first half hour is really them in new york just complaining about living in new york and not having like better jobs um i was like come on get to the good part where uh bernie's body's like falling over the place (laughs) so i think my fondness is actually probably for the second one where uh they use voodoo to resurrect him so don't remember that at all but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget how it gets there, but yeah, someone like does a voodoo incantation on on Bernie's body or his corpse, and like music makes him dance. So they're constantly trying to keep him from moving. 
hmm. uh, in the second one. Um, it's not free Brian, right on Prime right now. So, Brian, if they use Voodoo, then that means we could have a weekend at Bernie's Chucky hybrid spinoff kind of thing. That is Chucky, true. Chucky has to resurrect Bernie, and Bernie gets revenge on those two slackers. <laughs> um, right, it's all fun with that. Interesting. Other than interesting thing I noticed is that uh, it's directed by the director of uh, First Blood. So nice. Oh, Dad, Ted, Ted Ketchoff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then at the theater, I saw I rewatched Drive, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. Don't have to go into that too much more. Uh, then uh, a new thing I watched was Save Yourselves. Did I talk about this last week or? You did not. Um, but this is one of the new fe- movies you can find at the Alamo. Yeah, I actually saw it at the Landmark because um, it's playing everywhere. And it's actually on DVD right now if you go to stores. Okay. Um, and reading the description on Alamo, I was like, oh, cool. Like a cool, fun sci-fi comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a sci-fi comedy, but like the actual story is kind of boils down to um, this couple. They're like they're millennials. They're having a tough time making their way in the world. Um, they decide to take a vacation to the middle of nowhere. They rent, like they borrow a friend's cabin for the weekend. And while they're doing that, they turn off their phones. They have no communication with everybody. And while that's happening, there's an alien invasion going on earth with these like basically like giant tribbles from Star Trek. Um, they take over all the major metropolitan areas and make their way out to the forest. And then um, it becomes a survivalist story where these, you know, the movie portrays these millennials as completely inept without their technology uh can't possibly fend for themselves um and then it tur- like basically the moral of the whole thing is that well, what i got from it is it just saying like you know you need to like revert to classic american values if you want to like survive um in the real world um because even at the end after uh pretty much the aliens have taken over. They're called poofs. Uh, after they've taken over the entire planet, uh, the couple stumbles onto like this glass sculpture in the middle of the forest and they touch it. And while they're distracted, it encapsulates them and then rises them into the sky. I'm just like, oh, this is clearly the rapture, um, their version of it. So it's just like, uh, and before that they'd found like uh, this couple that got killed by the poofs and, like left their baby behind so it was like oh you know you know just go back to the old natural outdoorsy ways and start a family and you too can ascend into heaven yeah yay hmm. <laughs> that's uh that's interesting <laughs> like, and it otherwise like just cool fun like these two actors are having like a fun time playing off each other fun uh funny alien uh, invasion movie there's like this slightly hidden message in it that i'm just like screw you <laughs> just, just trying to claim that we're a doomed generation brad yeah it's like that's okay. not that's a very oversimplification for these two characters uh, okay. I was looking up the reviews and one of the reviews from the New York times was just like a poking fun at the doom generation. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think we're doing okay. Considering the previous generation fucked a lot of things up. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like 
you know, there, there are some fun parts where it's like, oh yeah, okay, they're 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 it's funny that they know how to do this, but like after an hour and a half of just being like hammered in, like it's it's very one sided. You're just like, okay, let's show how, you know, their knowledge of technology and the, like their assets are actually good for them. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, doesn't happen. So that's all I watched this week. Corinne. So like Brad, I've also been watching a lot. I will tease that the next Catching the Classics will be about Seven Samurai, the original Akira Kurosawa film. I also have The Magnificent Seven, the original one with Yul Brenner on hold at the library. So I'll be doing those two back to back. Sweet! So... I went, so right before Regal closed down, I went to my last showing, and I went to see the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back, which of course is like a perfect movie. Um, I will say seeing it on the big screen, the sound design is amazing, but some of the visual effects don't hold up when you get to see them on like a huge screen like that. Um... I can't think of anything specific other than just the one scene where they're still on Hoth and like some guy comes to talk to some other guy. He's like, Oh, you know, we got to outfit the speeders with like all this stuff. It's like right before the big battle and it's like a blue screen effect. And you can really tell that they're, they're behind a blue or they're in front of a a blue screen. So (laughs) it's like, Oh, yikes. Um, But yeah, like I said, that's not in, very much in the movie, but it's like, I would never notice that on my TV at home. So, um, but yeah, the sound design is amazing. Like you really feel all of the explosions and the battles and everything. It's such a a fun viewing experience to see that in the, in the movie theater again. I saw it twice this summer. hmm? I saw it twice this summer in the theater. Yeah. It's like awesome. So I also watched Klaus on Netflix. It's that Christmas movie, the animated Christmas movie. Um, I think it was up for like a bunch of awards last year. I don't know why I watched it, but I did. It's not Christmas time yet, but (laughs) Um, it's like a pretty cute movie. I really liked the animation. I thought the voice acting was good. David Spade and J.K. Simmons play the two main leads and there were some of the story beats that I was like, oh man, like I wish animated movies wouldn't do this so often, but I like how they, um, it's like an origin story for Santa Claus and they, like a lot of the elements that you know about Santa Claus, like the reindeer and the sleigh and the, he can see you when you're sleeping and the coal for the bad kids, like all of those elements kind of, morph out of the story organically and like there's a reason why you know he has a sleigh and he has reindeer and it just kind of explains that as it goes along and it's also just (laughs) like once we were like 15 minutes in um so the story is that this postman he's just this lazy guy and he gets sent to like the middle of nowhere up in the like arctic circle and he comes into this town where these two families are um, basically it's like a Hatfields and McCoy sort of situation and he has to start a post office there where nobody else has been able to start a post office 
And I was like 15 minutes in and I'm, he's like getting to the town and I'm like, where the hell does Santa Claus come into this? Um, but it, it does really fit the story nicely how Santa uh, Claus, the um, J.K. Simmons character, comes in and changes, like the whole town totally changes as the Santa Claus mythology grows and it's a really cute movie. I recommend everybody check it out here uh, when winter, t um, when Christmas time comes around. So Klaus, it's on Netflix. So that was cute. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much detail you want me to go into this because I could talk forever, but I've been watching the Inuyasha sequel, Hanya no Yashahime. Um, there are two episodes in. And I'm a little like, Ugh. <laughs> um, what's the story so far? What what is the I? Um, so this is a sequel to the anime Inuyasha, and Inuyasha was really well set up from the very beginning because they had a clear goal, a clear end game. Like you knew from the outset, like this show will end when X happens, and we haven't gotten that so far. The first episode was basically, it was like 90% a flashback to the Inuyasha characters and kind of like six months after the end of that show, what happened. And I'm assuming that some of those details that they talked about are going to be important, but we're not far enough in yet that it's like, you know, the pieces aren't connecting. So there seems to be some big mystery going on as to why is this villain important? Why are the, these pearls important? And why does nobody remember their parents? Because this is like the next generation of, um, like the kids of the main characters from the last show. And it's like, yeah, they all grew up without their parents and they don't remember their parents. Nobody apparently remembers them. It's really weird. So it's cute. Obviously I'm gonna keep watching it, but I'm just a little like, where's this going? So, um, and then the last thing I'll talk about is that, um, so I was hanging out with some friends last night. We were getting together. We were playing some, some stuff. And then when we were done, one of uh, my friends was like, Hey, there's a show on Netflix called Kim's convenience. We should watch it. And so, I was, I had like left the room for a minute. I came back and the show was already on and we're watching it. We're like halfway through and it's really funny. And then she, uh, my friend mentioned like, Oh yeah, this is the pilot. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is the pilot. Cause they just like drop you into the, the middle of the story. You get introduced to these characters organically. It doesn't feel like really awkward. Like pilots can sometimes where it's like, everybody's gotta be like weird, you know, like, have you met my mother? Like this kind of, you know, very forced dialogue kind of thing. But it's a story. It's about these um, Korean, the parents are Korean immigrants and it's their, um, they also have uh, two kids and they run a convenience store in Ontario, I want to say. It's somewhere in Canada, but it's just kind of like a sitcom about, you know, running a convenience store and being Korean immigrants. So kind of a little bit like fresh off the boat, but um, obviously different cultures. Um, and I was supposed to be here today. 
but in Korean. Yeah, <laughs> just the, like the vibe, the general vibe of it is similar. So that, that so just I, reminded me of the Clerks animated joke of Korean animation studio. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we ended up watching four episodes back to back to back to back because we just thought it was so funny and it was so addicting. And of course, you know, Netflix just like automatically plays it unless you stop it. Um, and then of course, when I got home, I was like, this show's so funny. So then I kept watching it and I'm not like 10 episodes in now. So, um, yeah, I recommend everybody check it out. It's Kim's Convenience. It's on Netflix. There's apparently four seasons. I'm only on the first, but I like it so far. So basically the last season, because Netflix cancels everything after four? <laughs> I don't think it's a Netflix show. Uh, I can't. It doesn't have like the Netflix logo at the beginning that I've seen, but then again, I was out of the room when they started it. So licensing it, okay. That's what I would guess. I don't yeah. know where they're licensing it from. It might, it's, it might be a Canadian show. And Brad, that's not true. They got rid of MST3K after only two seasons. Yeah, that's all I've been watching. Zach, what you've been up to? Well, I, I would like to proudly announce that I'm now back inside the house and no longer in my car. Uh, the power is now back, so yeah. Uh, thank you for all your thank thank you for all your virtual prayers and hugs. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay, uh, Zach. I actually what? <laughs> I'm glad you survived. You're okay. Touch and go. Just touch go there. Yeah, you know, sitting out in a car in your in your neighborhood, it's really, really rough out there. Yeah. No, no, you know, you know, on the street. The only thing a thing I was afraid of was myself when I looked into the in anger into the houses that still had light. Um, uh, but anyway, no, uh, I watched a bunch because um, I'm still kicking around on uh, daily Halloween uh, binges. So um, I went ahead and did a Toby who Toby Hooperthon. So I did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, and then life force. Um, the first two I've talked about in various different ways, but I haven't talked about life force. Um, I mean, I think the only one here who's seen it is maybe Ryan, unless Brad has seen it because Patrick Stewart is in this movie. I haven't seen um, it. I, what you've seen it. I haven't seen it. Even oh, with Patrick haven't? Stewart oh. in it. Yeah. It's um, uh, for anybody who doesn't know what, Life Force is... Um, so the best part it, of Life Force is there's a naked chick for like 45 minutes straight. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Ryan, that is a predominant part of this close to two-hour movie because I watched the international cut or the uh, director's cut, whichever they're, whatever they're calling it on there. Um, and uh, the... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the majority of it is introducing the Matilda May uh, character as this space vampire who walks around and sucks life energy out of people and she does it by seducing him because she's naked but then halfway through um that when we get basically at the beginning a crew finds the space vampires entombed um in a ship that was inside of uh Haley's comet i think it was and um and so they get them out and then one of the crew members falls in love with her um, and then she wrecks the entire crew and he tries to destroy them. But the the people who are tracking the ship uh, get it back to safety and they discover the whole crew's dead except for the vampire and then the one guy. The one guy then learns that Matilda May's character is transporting her consciousness to other people. 
And at one point she transported, transports it into Patrick Stewart, who's the uh, head of an asylum. Um, and, and they put Patrick Stewart onto a table and they put a big light over his head. And when I saw that, I was like, there are only one lights, Captain Picard. There are only one lights. Um, but the rest of the movie is like, it's, it's actually interesting. Like, I don't think it's like a terrible movie. It's like, no, it's on my film explosion list for 85. Yeah. It's super ambitious. Like it's, that's the thing. Like it's the one, it's the one thing he does with the Canon people where I'm like, well, I guess invaders from Mars is also kind of ambitious too, but just like that final, like third of the movie, Ryan, where they're like going through the, through London and everything's like blowing up and chaos is raining. Like it's really well shot, really well executed. Like, I know Toby Hooper's a good director, but I just, I was not uh, expecting the amount of scale that this movie had. So, um, and um, I thought I had seen it before, but clearly I hadn't because I was like, I was blown away by different elements of it. But yeah, the first 45 minutes of it is Matilda May walking around naked. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the movie's good. I recommend you check it out. Um, and then I uh, decided to, uh, kick in the movie Prince of Darkness, um, uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. Um, I still love that movie. That movie's kind of off its rocker, but I really love like the ambition of trying to combine theoretical physics with religion. And the, I think this is one of my favorite Donald Pleasant's performances. Um, n- not including a Loomis performance because he's very, uh, he's, he's very, very uh, disillusioned throughout the movie because all of his, it's basically pre-proposing that the religion that he's grown up with his whole life and learned and studied and is just like, is garbage because it's actually a- an extra extraterrestrial call. And like Satan is like, an embodied liquid inside of this vial. And like, so like the church was selling faith and not really uh, telling the secret of what was actually in that container, let alone in the world. And so, and the movie is just, it plays out as a fun uh, like siege movie, like Car- Carpenter's really good at, and this is, it's a siege in a church and um, it's, it's still fantastic. Um, is it, is it perfect? No, there's some cut, there's some cutting around things that are obvious, but I think it's still a fun watch. Um, and then I rewatched cat people, Jock Tenure's film from 1942, uh, the Val Luton produced film. Um, that movie still rocks. Um, if you haven't watched a Val Luton movie, you should ask yourselves why you haven't done that. Cause, uh, those are some fun RKO, low budget horror films that have to work a lot with what you paint in your mind than what they're able to afford. Cause cat people doesn't really have a cat person shown in it. Um, although um, Simone Simone does release uh, a giant Jaguar at one point. So um, yeah. And then um, I rewatched the fog. Um, that's still my favorite from, movie from 1980. That's all I'll say about that. Hey, you remember when I swept you and it was my 10th favorite film from that year? I know. Do you remember when I cried in my basement and this is the last time we saw each other in person? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was like, I just realized that was the last time we were in a room together. That is so bizarre. Um, and then um, I rewatched Village of the Damned. Um, and uh, I've, said that, I've said it before and I'll say it again. That movie's a mess but I really enjoy what they're going for. Like it's, 
it's interesting. Like it doesn't, um, it, it tries to take a step, um, a, a big step forward in terms of actually injecting thematic resonance into the idea of the midwitch cuckoos um, or like the, the original adaptation of village of the dam. But the, the, um, the movies, the biggest problem is that the movie's all over the place because it's been chopped up to bits. And, but I really like Christopher Reeve in it. Like he's really good. Like, the first time I saw it, I thought he was a little over the top, but like, he's really giving his all into it. Like there's a point where all the children have grown up to the age that they're going to be for the majority of this movie. And his, he is just so like, he is over these, these children and their special alien powers. Like he is just, he has lost all patience. Like and you, it's a look in Christopher Reeve's eyes that you don't get to see outside of Superman movies. Like you really have to look for films that he did outside of that to see what he could do as an actor. Um, and, uh, and Mark Hamill being in it as a priest is still hilarious. Cause I'm like, Oh, he, <laughs> he traded one religion for another. Um, and then I rewatched the invisible man. Uh, uh, the movie still rocks. Um, this is the original 1933 version. I'll be doing the new one again soon. Um, uh, still fantastic. Um, and then I rewatched The Old Dark House um, from 1932, which is James Whale's film before this. Ryan, have you seen The Old Dark House? I have not. Okay. I'm going to loan you the copy that I got from Cohen Media recently. Um, the Old Dark House... Um, and it's actually a movie that I think Corinne will like too, because um, it's a it's it's a old horror movie with a lot of comedy in it, like a lot of pitch black comedy in it. Um, it's basically these uh, three people um, get stuck in the mud with their car, and then a mudslide kind of consumes them, and so they run into an abandoned, uh, a seemingly abandoned old dark house, but it's in fact filled with uh, Ernest Thessinger. Um, his sister who plays a, um, a man named Mr. Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember his name. Cause I, I just know him as Ernest Sessinger cause he's amazing. Oh, Mr. Femme, uh, Mr. Femme and his sister, Rebecca um, and their manservant Morgan played by Boris Karloff. This was his role after Frankenstein in which he's only on screen for, I want to say about 10 minutes of a 72 minute movie. Um, and it basically is about these people roughing out the night um, up in this house during a storm while at the same time trying to figure out what's going on inside the old dark house. Um, and Charles Lawton's in it. He plays a character whose name that you will never forget, Sir William Bill Porterhouse. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it's a fun ass movie. Um, uh, Cohen Media got the, re the 4K restoration of it done in early 2013. Um, and there's a nice featurette on the Blu-ray about Curtis Harrington and how he actually utilized his career as a director at Universal um, early in his career to actually save the old Dark House from being completely discarded. Um, and there's an interesting little story about rights in it because Columbia owned the rights to show the film and remake it, but they didn't have the print. So he had to go through both Universal and Columbia to get the rights cleared to even release it back in the... Uh, earlier days um and then i rewatched gods and monsters movie still rocks um it's um it plays differently um in a post weinstein world i think um in certain respects but i think that the the overall like impact of the film is still there the emotional resonance that you feel between these two people who are completely lost um and i think that 
Ian, it, it's Ian McKellen. It's one of the best performances he's ever given. And I, it's, it's kind of a shame that we didn't honor him with an Oscar then for this movie. Cause I don't know when else we're going to do it. Um, uh, but, uh, and Brendan Fraser also amazing in the movie. Like it's another example of how he was more than just a pretty boy face. Like he gives a lot in that movie that nobody expects of him because I don't think many people know that he's in this movie unless you're people like us. Um, and then the last two things that I watched was I did a local uh, filmmakers double feature for my Halloween a thon of um, a certain short film called Catastrophe. Uh, heard of it? And, yeah, no, you know, uh, the director's kind of a jerk from what I've heard. I don't. I, I. I certainly don't think I'd ever want to meet him, but he made a great movie. Um, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, I. I think I've said this before, Brad. This is my favorite of the movies you've done. <laughs> Because it's black and white, and it's got a nice little monster movie monster motif going through it. Um, yeah, like Tatori Dynasty. Man, that hurts. That hurts. Which one? <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> um, and then, um, uh, well, I, you know, I take that back. I do like Thunderbolt too, because I like how you. <laughs> I like how you ended it. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. I don't like any of your movies. I know. So I don't you cast don't like- you in anything. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but then I also rewatched Adam, the amazing zombie killer, which I hadn't watched in a while. Um, but our friends, um, Richard Taylor and Zach Bynes did it. And uh, I still love the film because it's very, it, it speaks to that trauma spirit that they're clearly in love with. And um, the <laughs> part of me during this screening was now trying to figure out how many of the locations I've actually stepped foot on. <laughs> Like, cause there's a lot of locations that we've been to, whether it's an Elvis theater or different streets on Colfax. Um, uh, but I just, I enjoy it. I like watching, um, the, their, their passion they put behind it. And I also rewatched the documentary because, um, uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to remind myself of like what it was like to, you know, go out and make an independent kind of film. Cause it's that kind of inspiration I'm always looking for. And, um, <laughs> the whole everything they had to go through to make that movie is, is, is harrowing in 500 different ways. Like from, um, uh, from the stories about Richard and his girlfriend over to, um, Zach breaking his leg. Um, but so they're two wonderful folks that we've interacted with over the years. And I liked rewatching their movie for, for my little Halloween a thon. So. Yeah. I actually um, enjoyed their behind the scenes making of, uh, it's, it's a great doc. Like yeah. they, the movie is a lot of fun. That doc is amazing. Like it's, it's not, it's not to, it's just that doc is like, that's a vital piece of what it is to make an independent, a true independent film in this day and age. And I'm not even talking trauma. Like theirs is cause theirs is not trauma. Um, it's not owned by trauma or anything like that. Like they did it on their own. So, um, so it's, it's very, very inspiring to watch how they got it made, how they got it out there. Um, and the stories of the the cops being called on them constantly, <laughs> like, and the there's there's the story of um, Richard's uh, father playing the 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 zombie bum outside of the tra- uh, outside of the big uh, trash container at an apartment complex, and they, um, they and the cops are asking him who he is, and they have to get verification via his dad. Like it's just it's just so like we've all been in that situation of some, at some point or another dealing with that when trying to make something on guerrilla style. 
Um, oh, and also the fact that they had to change their bowling alleys a bunch and work around that because they were because the location got bought and sold over a couple times. So, um, but yeah, if you haven't seen Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer, it's very much a trauma movie. I would highly recommend you check it out if you like that fair and um, just embrace the insanity and the madness that that goes on through that movie. So yeah, I've got some ideas for bringing them into Pod Show season two. So. Oh God, that'd be so much fun to do. Yeah. Like to, to work to work with them in that capacity, like that. I, I I'll tell you, like Zach, Zach and Richard's enthusiasm in that project is so clear that it that it 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 makes every moment in the film feel like a like a like just a love letter to filmmaking in general. Not even just a trauma. Like they are literally pushing onward. Like, and I love it so. Um, yeah, so that's all I watched this week. Well, uh, I, I didn't watch as much as uh, you uh, folks did. Um, What's I, that supposed to mean? I just, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. It means that Ryan has a life, unlike us. <laughs> no. what, do you, what do you mean, folks? <laughs> it means that I work until three in the morning when I work. And so then during the day, like to get motivated and pay attention to watching something and knowing you have to go back to work is always a little challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, so I have been doing um, blueberry. You can check out my latest um, article about the Hitman's bodyguard. Um, but I've started to rewatch the walking dead. Um, not all of it, but the ones I haven't had a chance to watch on blu-ray. Um, so I re- watched the seventh season, which is, uh, it's a pretty solid season. It introduces Negan. Um, I like Negan more on the show than I liked him in the comics. Oh, wow. The You're com- that far behind? Wow. Oh, well, I mean, I've seen him. I just have to catch up um, on the Blu-ray side. Um, yeah. I think on Netflix, they're, like the first season of The Whispers has gone by. Yeah, I think that's season nine. Nine, yeah. Um, so, they're yeah. Two behind, yeah. Yeah, so... I, like I, I think Negan is better on the show than he is in the comics. One of my problems with the comics is Negan is like his mouth. It sounds stupid for coming from me, but just like I don't like Friday the Thirteenth Part Five um, very much because it's really gratuitous with like uh, the violence, which sounds really stupid to say in a Friday the Thirteenth film. But um, just uh, but in the comics, his dialogue is always "fuck these motherfucking pieces of shit." Um, where on AMC, they, there's a couple Fox they drop in every once in a while, but, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays Negan has to be a little more creative with his, uh, dialogue mm-hmm. and, um, he delivers it in a pretty fun way. And, uh, so that seventh season always ha- has a sense of dread throughout the whole season because of Negan and the, uh, the makeup effects are still incredible. Uh, K and B. I mean, the zombies are, I, I think, the best looking zombies ever produced, not in, on film and on TV. Um, it's Nicotero and it's Nicotero kicking ass on every week. Yep. On a, on yeah, a, he does. A, uh, he directs TV. a lot of the episodes too. He's he's turned into quite the director. Oh yeah. Um, I, you know, I for some reason I kept on forgetting to get War of the Worlds on 4K, and I happened to go to. Best Buy in Littleton because uh, the Best Buy in Littleton has more movies than any Best Buy I've been to in a long time. Um, I think they cater more to people who buy physical copies. Um, and they had um, War of the Worlds on 4K for 17 bucks. Um, which, I, I, watching it again, um, one, I mean, it's stunning in 4K. Um, and it, it's, 
I t- put it on in midday after I picked up Kellen from school. And as I'm watching it, I, I look at Kellen and he's kind of getting scared. And I realize that even though it's a PG-13 um, sci-fi slash horror film, um, the scenes are really intense. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. at the beginning, well, I guess not the beginning, I guess when the aliens first attack and uh, Tom Cruise puts Dakota Fanning in the van and she's screaming and crying, like it really started messing with Kellen. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't a good movie to watch with him. Yeah, when they're um, running down the street when the pods are going, like I, we saw that in the theater when I was 13 or 14 and I was getting like jumped back in my seat because it's not like Spielberg doesn't let up on the tension with it. Like he really, he, he really intends to scare the pants off of you. And it's always shocking that, I mean, it is PG 13, but also, I mean, they, there's a part where the, the pods are har- harvesting people and then yeah. like <laughs> they're digesting them. Like they're sucking them up in their sacks. And yeah. The movie, and I think it's one of Tom Cruise's most underrated performances because he's really great in the movie as a deadbeat dad um, being thrust into a, this situation where he has to be um, a, a father for the maybe the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. He's really great in it. Um, and, and the movie is beautiful in 4K. It's, it's always a testament to Spielberg because, you know, when I watched Jaws earlier this year, and then I watch War of the Worlds. He's such a great director that visually his movies are just in in 4K. They're amazing. Um, that's all has, I have to say. Has Spielberg? I'm trying to think of like a purely horror horror movie that Spielberg's made other than Jaws and War of the Worlds right now. Nope. I would love to him do that well he, but that's scary to only one person and all it does is just make me want to punch a wall <laughs> um but Jurassic no i'm trying to, yeah i guess so that's got hor- horrifying moments in it definitely i can think of the first one the second one i would argue is more of a just a monster rock but as that's, that's i say both of them are really like a monster movie yeah yeah you know, you think, I mean, even, I mean, he always has horror elements in his films. I mean, even Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, Temple of Doom. I mean, there's horror elements in his films for sure. They wouldn't let him make The Shining, so he had to put it at Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's something about War of the Worlds that just puts it on a whole other level, even apart from Jaws and E.T. or Jurassic Park or whatever. Like, War of the Worlds is really hard to watch. It's just so brutal. It, no, it, I agree. I agree. I think it has a 9-11 um, yeah. uh, tone to it as well, which I, I'm sure was definitely on the mind of the filmmakers. Um, yeah. That, I'll never that, forget. That came out in, what, 2005? Yep. Yeah, 2005. That's, it's very much an almost as immediate a response as you can get to that feeling of an unknown enemy attacking you. And from a from a thing you don't understand inherently, like that's that's the vibe that's definitely emanating off of that film. Um, yeah, it's um, YouTuber Lindsay Ellis actually has a really good video essay, and she compares how the War of the Worlds and Independence Day kind of tackle the same subject matter, but with wildly different tones. Mm-hmm. One, one does it better than the other, and it's called War of the Worlds. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a when I was watching it, I just I was reminded about how great that movie is. It's an it's an amazing film. Yeah, um, 
It is interesting how the War of the Worlds has never been adapted through straight through as the book, like the book that was written. Like every version of it is an interpretation that veers way off course from the mm-hmm. book. It's uh, like everybody keeps that design, but but like wh- whether it's the radio broadcast or the Orson um, or the um, George Powell film, uh, they, they they we've never gotten a version of that book, and I think it's par- partially because the book is kind of boring at certain points. But <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great film, and you should get it in Ultra HD because it looks great, and the the sound is amazing on Ultra HD. Um, and uh, the last thing I watched is uh, my wife and I watched Hubie Halloween, um, the new Adam Sandler movie. And in it, he plays a guy named Hubie, who is the self-appointed safety um, Halloween monitor in Salem, <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, and he's a really nice guy, and the city constantly makes fun of him. Uh, he... he like one of the funniest running jokes. Well, there's a, a lot of running jokes in the movie, and it also calls back to Adam Sandler's early stuff. Like the O'Doyles are back in it. Um, it uh, ben Stiller is the orderly again. From, Wait, really? Uh, Happy Gilmore, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And there's just like funny jokes in it. There's At the beginning, it's with Ben Stiller, and there's a mental institution, and the guy who's in the mental institution breaks away, and in his bed... It's just full of jello. And, um, but there's this really quick shot of when, uh, how the orderly pulls the blankets off of where the inmate's supposed to be sleeping and it's jello, but where his dick's supposed to be is a hot dog that's sticking up with two little fucking balls on it. Um, and uh, so there's a couple running jokes in the movie that are great. Uh, one is people are constantly throwing things at Hubie as he's riding his bicycle <laughs> through the town. And it starts of him being egged by these kids and he catches the eggs in his thermos. He shakes it up, drinks it. And he, he says, just like Rocky Balboa. Then he throws up all over the place. It's, it's so stupid. And his uh, thermos can uh, change into whatever he needs. At one point, it's a grappling hook. At one point, it's a, a bullhorn. It's just, it's so stupid. Um, but it's really funny. And it's a, like a cute movie. Uh, and the best payoff for the joke of people throwing stuff, there's a point where Hubie's running through the woods and people are just throwing, I think it's like a microwave and a <laughs> refrigerator at him. And as he, and he dodges it all too. So that's like the joke too, is he constantly dodges it. And as he keeps on running, all of a sudden these two bears stand up and throw shit at him. <laughs> like These dudes in bear suits that look so fake. It's so stupid. That's Halloween, their costumes, right? No, they're not Halloween costumes. It's like bears in the forest <laughs> that stand up and throw stuff at them. Um, and probably the best running joke in the film, though, is uh, Adam Sandler's mom is always wearing these T-shirts. And um, so the first one is Boner Donor. <laughs> um, she's wearing another one that says Kayaking Gets Me Wet. Um, it's just stupid and funny. Um and there's a mystery through the town of people getting kidnapped and Hubie has to solve it. Um, Steve Buscemi plays a guy in it. I won't spoil his role because it's really funny. Um, but yeah, it's actually a really funny movie and I had a lot of fun watching it. I am an Adam Sandler apologist because I think he's funny. Um, but yeah, I would check out Hubie Halloween. It's, 
That's funny. And that's what I watched this week. Sweet. Uh, this Ian, week. Do you think I would like it? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a, it's a Halloween comedy film. There's not really a horror element to it. It's a murder mystery, quote unquote. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, you have to like Adam Sandler because there's like Adam Sandler esque jokes, if that makes sense in it. Um, where he plays kind of like, like a man child. Are we talking more like Fifty First Dates, Adam Sandler, or more like the Stupid Six or whatever that movie was? Oh no 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 no! It's more like uh oh man, it's 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 more like a Happy Gilmore kind of movie where oh, it's okay. really silly, or like The Water Boy. Like if you take Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy and kind of blend them, you kind of have this movie. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I, like I mean, I, I would watch it, and I'm probably going to watch it again because uh, I think Kellen will like it. I've I'm I've been compelled to watch it. Like the, I I don't the trailer didn't do anything for me, but after hearing all the feed um, feedback, I'm like, geez, like should I just sit down with this? You should I mean it's funny. Like I, I laughed a lot in it because again, I like Adam Sandler and the callbacks to his, uh, like his old movies are really great. Um, I mean, there's. I don't want to run like I can't set up the jokes like it, but there's cons. He's scared of everything. Um, so he's at the school giving uh, safety um, tips to that trick or treaters. And this one kid raises his hand and he's dressed up like a zombie and he screams, burn it. And it makes the kid cry. It's funny. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I haven't even seen the trailer for it, but I've seen it advertised on Netflix. So I was like, huh? Yeah. The trailer's not, that great the the movie's really goofy though i mean i liked it a lot so yeah uh this week on real nerds we were treated to a fantastic fest film playing at the alamo corinne you didn't see it and that's okay um so the three of us will talk about it brad should people see uh the wolf of snow hollow yeah, I don't know. I had a tough time nailing down the tone of this film. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't, I'm not sure I enjoyed it that much. Um, I couldn't tell if it was because I was wanting one thing and not getting it. Uh, but it's, it's a weird movie, man. Uh, Zach? Um, I think you should. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I get what Brad's saying because there is a tonal, tone situation going on there, but the way I kind of settled into it eventually was that it's a comedy that happens to have thriller elements going on in it and horror elements going on in it. Um, Cause it is very much more um, concerned with its characters than necessarily the horror elements of it, but the horror elements are fun. Um, I've never seen a, the, the film that the guy did previously, but he's got an interesting vibe about him that I really enjoyed watching and settling into. Like it's a, it's kind of like mumblecore if it was being yelled out very loud. Uh, Cause he yells a lot in the movie, but, um, but I, I'll tell you, I really appreciate it. There's a lot of like honest moments in this movie that I thought were really well directed and well acted. And so I, I would recommend you guys check it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as Zach. I actually really enjoyed this movie. Um, but I also get what, brad is saying too because um i think the dialogue comes so quickly and so fast that sometimes some of the jokes don't hit right away and you have to think about it and then you laugh after Mm -hmm. 
you thought about what was said. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you should definitely see it. And here is a trailer for The Wolf of Snow Hollow. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. Six years, sober for three. This is scary. It's new. I never saw a body like that. There's gonna be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town. And I didn't want to set up expectations that I can't keep. Our expectations of you are very low. It spans the bites are gigantic. Same as the distance of the paw prints. It's a wolf. Or maybe it's a werewolf. No, let me just make this perfectly clear. There is no such thing as werewolves. Our killer is a guy, and I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill And we're going to bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. Where were you? Where were you? John, none of you talk to me at once, okay? They're saying it's a wolf. No, it's a man. When do I get to be right about something? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize there were jokes. I mean, the people behind me were laughing the whole time. I was like, this is that funny to you? Like, Yeah, well, there's like, uh, I, I thought the funniest part, it, well, I'll set up the movie. So in the movie, uh, there's murders happening in this uh, Utah city called Snow Hollow, where there's, uh, it's a serial killer, they believe, and they think it's a guy. And it slowly, people start to realize that it might be a werewolf. Um which the, um, I hope Corinne doesn't mind. This will be spoiled, Corinne. Um, I, the, I mean, the werewolf design I think is really awesome. The the scene where uh, he kills the lady in the van, where he's crouched and he slowly rises up, I think is pretty badass. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And besides the the werewolf element too, you're also dealing with um, a sheriff that is slipping. Um, he's not alcoholic. Yeah, he's he's his sobriety is slipping. Like the whole film is him trying to get keep a grasp on what he's. Well, I'm talking about the dad. Um, so oh. the, the actual sheriff. Um, so he isn't doing well um, health wise. Oh, Robert Forster. Yeah. Yeah, Forster, which also kind of stings because it's his last movie. Uh, but he's yeah. great in the movie, and uh, Jim Cummings plays his son, who is a deputy for him, who's struggling with being an alcoholic. <laughs> and going through a divorce and this murder case kind of sets him over the edge where he starts drinking again. Yeah. And I mean, it's bad. And it's, it's interesting because it takes this, I don't know if weird is the right word, but it takes this really 
dark character study about someone who's an alcoholic and how it affects people around him. Yeah. As I'm watching it, I said, man, are they going to, is it going to be like a reveal where he's the actual wolf here where he gets so drunk that he doesn't realize what he's doing. That's what I was thinking for a bunch of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was what was going through my mind. And they do set up a few red herrings throughout the film. Um, And it's, it's, it's a really interesting movie because, you know, the lead character uh, who Jim Cummings plays is he's not a good dude. They, oh, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> he's, he's a jerk. He's not nice. He, but when you start peeling back the layers of his character, you know, he's dealing with his dad dying. He's dealing with his wife wanting to leave him. He's dealing with his daughter wanting nothing to do with him. And he's trying right. to fight his alcoholism. So he's constantly on edge and he's trying to be a good cop too. And then the people in the town are talking about how inept the police department is for not solving these horrific murders. And it's, I mean, it's tough. Like it's, it's, it's not like a fun movie at points, but there is comedy elements that come into it. Um, I love the part where he sits down and talks to his daughter and he's, she said, uh, I forget what her stat was. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I read your post. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Um, so there is funny moments in it, but it is hard to pick up because it's not mumblecore, but it's, I don't know. I don't, maybe you guys can help me. I don't know what kind of um, movie you would call that or what kind of uh, genre you would call this type of comedy. Well, um, I I, I have a, I have, I, I don't have a genre, but I have a tone that I would, that I would pitch is that it's, it's seeming to hit on to a Coen brothers kind of angle where there's frightening and terrifying things that can happen within it. But there is a, an air of levity that surrounds the entire proceedings. Like, I'm not going to say this is like equal to Fargo, but I feel a lot of Fargo kind of permeating through the tone of the film. It's also like really pitch black humor. Like the when it when Jim Cummings' character, what I appreciate about it is because it is so honest, it is both unsettling and hilarious at the same time. That's yeah. where the humor for me is coming from. Is it like he is his uh, his delivery and uh, of speech and the way he's kind of like barking orders like is is funny in and itself until it stops becoming funny, like he he's he's playing that character through and through all the the same throughout the entire thing to the point where like at a certain point the hilarity of it stops because his drinking becomes worse his relationship that's the evolution of his character though too is because at the beginning he's kind of just this jerk yeah and then as he drinks more and more he becomes something completely different um brad you weren't as impressed with the film um what made you not like it as much like i just trying to nail down the tone of it like you know it was when it started it, it seems very much like it's all about the mystery of like is there a werewolf in uh this town or not and then i wouldn't say until like 15 20 minutes in that i figured out we were really following you know the jim cummings's character um it, it really wasn't about the mystery of the werewolf it was really about him dealing with his sobriety so and then you know these like i didn't think the gags were that funny but like the people behind me were just 
laughing it up. So I was like, what am I missing here? Um, you know, there's, there are some funny parts where like, he's trying to, um, get like the liquor out of the back of the cabinet. He slips and he falls like on the stove door or something. That scene is both funny and horrifying at the same time. Um, yeah, but like the rest of the time, he's just like, he just, it's like, Oh, there's this, like this, we're watching this big jerk just deteriorate in front of everybody. And there's like, no, like the pacing is just relentless, you know, it just go, goes to gag to gag without any reflection on what's going on. And then yeah. um, I missed the, um, like what, what it actually turns out to be like, did we see that guy in town before? Like I didn't recognize him. Yeah. He uh, came in for the interview or the, he had a, I guess, this, yeah, he came in for an interview with the police. Yeah. He was one of the many that were through that um, uh, montage. But I, I thought it was clever that, you know, it really wasn't a supernatural creature. It was a taxidermist who created a werewolf costume. Oh, that reveal with, can you just stand up to your full height? Ah, oh, which that was they, didn't, a good reveal. Which they didn't notice his height in the interrogation then? He might have been hunched over because he's, wa- he's standing, he's walking around in that later scene hunched over. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. he, he has to walk into the police station and sit down in the interrogation room. He thinks he might have been hunched noticed. over to hide himself, hunching over to hide himself anyway, because he knew that they might suspect him. I mean, someone might have said, like, hey, why do you have such a hunch? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like it was darkness in the police station, it was broad daylight. I don't yeah, know. I, you know, but I do like uh, how, uh, I can't believe I can't remember his character name, but Jim Cummings' uh, character figured out that he was, you know, the werewolf is he asked how his daughter was and how would he know how his daughter was because he took his daughter from that site and put her in his car. So, um, you know, even that scene's really sad too, because he's so concerned about how he looks as a police officer, doesn't even care what happened to his daughter. And um, it's, it's a very interesting movie and I can get why people don't like it. And I also get why people love it. Like I did um, because I thought it was dark enough yeah, I want, I want to see Thunder Road to kind of get a dial in on what this guy's sense of humor is like. Because, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know. I was just constantly just wondering, like, what is the tone of this? I just don't, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be a real mystery? Like, I don't know what's going on here. That's and, You know, every once in a while, I, I always like films that catch me by surprise, this film did. Because, again, I, I was expecting just the, the, you know, cops hunting a werewolf or something. Yeah, And it was definitely not this movie. And I like how, like, Ricky Lindholm like is actually doing the real detective work behind the scenes and becomes the sheriff. Yeah. Like in a very stealthy, like, you know, it's not the focus of the movie. It's like a good, it's, you know, it's PS a, to the end. It's a yeah. good definition of a great supporting character that literally helps carry that movie. Yeah. Because right. I also think too, if Jim Cummings, character ended up being the sheriff, it'd be a little disingenuous because he didn't deserve it. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he needed to work on being a better person before he could, be in charge of people because they even have that scene where he comes in where the one guy leaked the information to the press and everyone's like, Oh, he brought you, you know, donuts or something. He says, Oh, that's awesome. You're fired. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's uh, not a good person. Put your application into Whippy, WikiLeaks. They heard they're, I heard they'll be hiring soon. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the scene, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the film, it's not a funny scene and it's actually kind of like, it's 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 terribly depressing is when she's carrying him upstairs to bed. Yeah. Uh, that that is such an honest scene. 
that like that that made me cringe based on how real that was alone so like that uh the, the movie does a lot of great stuff for anything it might be lacking like i mean and i i love the the uh the, the chase in the snow at the end yeah um that was a great like well executed like kind of reminded me a little bit of silence of the lambs when jody foster's um going through the bottom like it's not the same thing but just like the impact and the kind of feel of it like just, oh, and when he just executes that dude. <laughs> oh God, yeah, because he, he follows the instructions of the first, um, the first survivor of it. He's like, just don't, don't even, don't even uh, bring him in. Just kill him. <laughs> like, yeah. Let, see the snow through the bullet holes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Said, yeah. What was up with the fireworks? Like, what was that about? Like, why were they going off? Oh, I don't know. Uh, there's a behind the scenes thing about that too because it was apparently uh already like the sun was already coming up when they were filming that one particular moment so um because did you stay for the q a i couldn't i had to go to work yeah i know bum me out but he he met in the q a um and he said that he kind of took a little bit of inspiration from seven on it and i kind of see where he's getting at because like you really look at seven it's not it it's not strictly just about the killings itself. It's also about how Brad Pitt's not adapting well to the new city he's been assigned to. Yeah. So. But yeah, I liked it. And Robert Forster, fantastic. And it, it was a great way to go out. Yeah. It was a wonderful way to go out. His, his, uh, his, the, oh, the, um, when he's just like, doctor says I'm great. And he turns to the doctor and he goes, the heart murmur. I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> such a great part like, where what he, is he even a real doctor that part where he looks up his uh, like daughter's phone messages or whatever and then like abandons the hospital and goes straight to beating up her boyfriend like in his yeah. own home I'm like how did he break in and like get past his parents like I don't know that was awesome and then like she's like no leave him alone leave him alone then she finds out that he's a cop and she starts beating up her son what'd you do <laughs> uh yeah that's good um i don't know what we're seeing next week um the new liam Neis- neeson movie honestly fizz playing in theaters um yeah, <laughs> we- yeah I'm, I'm shaking my head but you can't see it <laughs> um I, I guess so. War with Grandpa or whatever that Robert De Niro movie is. Oh yeah, or that one. That trailer is short of a Chuck Norris cameo into becoming a full-on canon movie. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, you just let me guys, you know. I mean, I, I mean, it's a new movie and it's in theaters. It might be the only option we really have. I know that um, we're planning for a film explosion on the twenty-fourth or something like that, but. Netflix's Rebecca is supposed to come out on the 23rd. Ooh. So I think we should do that for one of our film of the week in November or something. I'd be totally down with that. Me Me too, too. Zach. Me too. (laughs) I know. I know. Everybody wants to go back to Mandalay, don't they? Too bad it's burned down. Yes. Yes. Well, if if she if you know what if Rebecca if Rebecca couldn't have Maxim then no one was going to have him and no one was going to have Manderley. 
And we can see Dame Judith Anderson looking up as she lets that house burn to the motherfucking ground. All right. Yeah, I guess Honest Thief is like the only thing. I mean, yep. you could also see like Save Yourselves or a Possessor, I guess, but I've seen that. So we're interested in Possessor. Figure it out. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thank you guys for coming on again, as always. We'll have to find a way where we can do this in person. Um, but it's good. Uh, good hearing your voices yep good hearing your voices too see you next week bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of real nerds podcast real nerds podcast is a production of nebulous visions multimedia Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.